0: From 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 through 31. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it's found in page 160 in your New Testament section of your pew Bibles. And I've realized that I don't have my phone, so if you are sending me messages, too bad. I mean, Brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no possessions. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For... The present form of this world is passing away. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. You see, it's important for us to recognize that in Paul's life, there's an urgency to everything that he says. And you've heard me say this ad nauseum, but I want you to hear it again. For Paul, he believes that the very next breath that he takes, Jesus could be walking through those doors. And for Paul, he wants you to understand that if that happens, you need to be ready. There's more than a sense of urgency with what he's talking about. It is the mandate. It is what moves and shakes every fiber of his being. He wants you to understand that what you are doing right now will matter. Not just in the next breath, but forever. He wants you to live a life of unattached moments. Now, this is hard for us. In this passage of Scripture, we have three things that pop out. There's the present form of this world that passes away. There's the learning curve about what matters most. And then finally, how do we go to a place of unattached living? So let's start with the first part. Paul's urgency in eschatological reality says that at this moment, the world could end in the blink of an eye. It becomes the lens through which Paul lives his life. Paul Conselman highlights that eschatology, which is the idea of the end of time, truly determines the conduct of life. So everything that Paul does says that tomorrow, or even in the next breath, the world is ending we need to be prepared. This is not a chicken little experience where the sky is falling, you understand. This is, I have to make sure everyone knows this. Because it's important. Paul employs as if imperatives. Like he, he, he wants them to know that life is short. And let's, let's spend a little bit of time on this for just a second. Life is short. It, it absolutely is short. I remember early on when Madeline decided to, to come in the world two months early, as she normally does, breaking the chain of events that make sense or our plans. She decides to come into the world two months early, and I remember what everybody said to us at that moment. Is I said, you, you, you want to write down everything you possibly can from the moment she's born, because it's going to be the blink of an eye that she's going to be out of the house. And I remember going, yeah, 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 okay, whatever, whatever that means. And it literally feels as if yesterday, February 7th, 2004, she was uh, uh, getting put into the hospital, and we were finding out that Carmen was going to have to have emergency surgery, and I totaled our, our Jeep on the way back from the emergency room on the other end of town because I had uh, a pneumatic, uh, um, asthmatic uh, pneumonia <laughs> because I wouldn't leave Carmen's side in the hospital and so the, I ended up getting pneumonia. So I drive all the way over to the other side of Lynchburg and in that time frame uh, we had about 18 inches of snow that evening while i was in the emergency room they give me the medicine they tell me to drive back and as i'm driving back this guy i will never forget this in a 2000 uh um lincoln continental four-door land yacht was coming towards me sideways and i grew up in oklahoma so when it comes to driving on ice i'm like okay I know what to do here. So he comes sideways, and I avoid missing him. I miss him completely. I, I do a 180. I, I start to head straight. Everything's going wonderfully. And then I hit another patch of black ice that was unforeseen. And my Jeep nails the guardrail and smashes. Now, I remember I call 911, and I'm like, okay, look, I need you to come pick me up. I'm the, and they're like, okay, we'll be there in a few minutes. It just so happens that the officer that came was from Oklahoma. And he says to me, I can't give you a ticket. This is amazing defensive driving. Get in the car. We'll take you to the hospital. I will never forget that day. And that was, get ready, hold yourself, and put your seatbelts on. Madeline turns 20 on February 8th. That was the blink of an eye. Life really is short. Every moment that we have, we need to make it as if it's our last breath. Every single thing that happens in our existence needs to have that type of urgency. Make sure you take the opportunity to tell people that you love them. Make sure you take the opportunity to say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. Urgency is what Paul is bringing to you, and it's urgency that I want to give with you. But we can't do that unless we allow ourselves to have unattached lives. The call is clear. Live unattached lives. Cut, cut the ties that bind you to the transient aspects of life, people and possessions and pursuits. Paul's goal here is to have the freedom from Anxiety. It becomes the essence of Christian living. So if we're supposed to learn what's most important, Paul doesn't agree with us on a lot of things. For example, he doesn't think any of you should get married. Like, at all. He fully believes that it's impossible for you to show the love of God to another human being in the way that God loves you. But if you do fall in love with one another, you are to be servants to one another. You put your own needs aside for the other. You take care of one another in the same way that Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. That is what he says we are supposed to do. Mourning is something that is hard for us to get past. And I don't believe that you should. I think the idea of us saying that I, I mourn the loss of my loved ones is is uh, and, and the, and the, and the, and the and the the church uh, damage that we do that says, Oh, eventually it'll get better. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's what God wants us to do. I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do because it never gets better. There are just days that you seem to be a little better with it. But if you do it by yourself, it's impossible. One should not, which you know I don't like using that word, mourn alone. We should rejoice with one another all the time. We should come together and worship and rejoice by singing hymns, by using prayers and having this opportunity, and yet really, truthfully, uh, since 2020, when we come to worship, we're exhausted. And our rejoicing is in that moment of saying, okay, thank you, God, that we're here to be, a, be here together. That we're here in worship for once, and, and we have these moments that we get to share with one another. And then finally, our possessions. Growing up, you hear the phrase, that the one that has the most toys dies. Still dies. <laughs> you can't take it with you, church, no matter what you say. you can you can try to I, I remember growing up in McAllister. there was this guy that was a true o u fan, no comments. And he decorated his car. Uh, I'm not kidding. Uh, as a true o u fan he he I mean it was he wanted to be buried in his car. so they made The moment available for him to be married in his car. He bought six plots uh, so that his car would sit perfectly inside that plot so that he could, even after death, be buried in his OU memorabilia. Well, he's still buried. He didn't actually take it with him. I think sometimes we think so hard about the things that we should have or the things that we ought to have and that we don't focus in on the things that we don't have or what people don't have. You know I'm going to talk about it. In this cold weather, I don't think I've ever remembered a time when the Ministerial Alliance has been hit up so much about people not having heat in their homes. I don't think I can ever remember a time in ministry where I've been hearing people say I'm about two steps away from being evicted from my home because I've lost my job for this or I've done this and this has happened. Sometimes it's their own choices. Sometimes it's not. It's really not important because at the end of the day, Jesus is very clear. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those that are sick and imprisoned. So let's talk about that for a minute what we own is temporary even our homes Paul uses this transitory nature of our homes by likening us to guests consider a time when you are a guest at someone's home the comfort the hospitality yet the awareness that it is not truly yours I have two examples that I want to share with you. One, I was in youth ministry, and we were supposed to be going to the International Christian Youth Fellowship event in Atlanta, Georgia, from Enid, Oklahoma. So we got in the car, we started driving there, the vans, because that was back in the day that we did not fly anywhere. We drove, and you drove eight hours, and you stayed at the church you know, on the way, and you get to the event. Except for this one time, this youth minister not me, because I would have done it perfectly, Um, may have made the kids leave a whole day early and was going to arrive in Atlanta on a Thursday when the event started on a Friday and realized that on Wednesday as they were about halfway there. And I had just so happened to have received a cell phone to take with us on this trip. Or I'm sorry, the other guy, not me. We're about halfway there, and I realize that we're a day early, and I, I realized very quickly, oh no, uh, we have no place to stay on Thursday evening. Now there's this beautiful thing that happens within churches that we don't um, make a note of very often. In the Christian churches, uh, you can call another Christian church and say, hey, we're on our way this place, and the youth minister made a huge mistake, and he's a whole day early. And usually the church will open their doors in the fellowship hall and let you sleep on the ground with your sleeping bags. And sometimes they'll even cook you breakfast. Most of the time they'll cook you breakfast. And send you on your way to your next place of uh, where you're supposed to go. In this case, they didn't take us to the church. They took us to their home. Fifteen rowdy high school kids heading to an event. They brought us to their home. And they fed us. And they took care of us as if we were their own youth group. That's not our home. That's a place for others. Then, growing up, I'm the oldest of six kids, so when we would go on vacations, hotels were not a thing that anybody could afford, right? Like, let's just be honest. It's it's a fairly new thing where people go to hotels and spend the night. You only went to places where you had family that you could spend the night with, and then you would spend the night in a tent or someplace else on your way to your vacation. Maybe that's not the case for everyone, but that was for me. So growing up, every state, every city that we ever went to, my dad would show up and say, Hey, guess what, kids? There's a Christian church, Disciples of Christ. Hey, guess what, kids? This minister and I went to seminary together. Guess where we're staying the night? Vineyard Christian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. You get to sleep on the floor of the Fellowship Hall. Happy vacation. Now I found myself doing that with my own children. And it's wonderful because now they go, oh great. Another Christian church, Disciples of Christ. And it's all fun and games until you're in Lexington, Kentucky and you blow a tire and you call the minister at Central Christian Church in Lexington and say, hey man, I'm on the side of the road, I just need some help. Sure, no problem. Where are you going to stay? Let me make sure your tire's taken care of. You see, there's something about possessing and loving one another that we recognize that the things that we have are just temporary and our job and what we have is to help others in times of need and in an emergency my little small answers or examples are nothing compared to what you all have been exposed to Paul paints this similar picture of the Corinthians attitude towards the world As guests in the world, they shouldn't mistake it for their permanent dwelling. And while we recognize that time is slipping away and the urgency of completing God's mission becomes paramount, losing sight of the immediacy of our time in life can keep us from fulfilling God's calling within the given time frame of every breath that we have. So how do we relate that to today? Well, it's, it's, it's easy and then it's not. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to go out to the homeless people and take them into your home. I am encouraging you to help someone that maybe needs it or is asking for it. You see, you don't know someone's needs. That's the hard part, right? We live in this world where we think we know what they need. You don't. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you don't know someone else's needs. If they ask you for food, you're supposed to give it with your right hand so that the left hand doesn't know what you're giving. Man, that's hard. They ask you for a place to sleep. According to the Hebrew Bible, as well as what Jesus says, you are to help them. To love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you would hope that somebody would provide a place for you to sleep. To take care of you. We need to explore practical ways to apply Paul's teachings. Embracing what this unattached living as a means of experiencing the freedom that Christ offers. I want to challenge you before we end. To envision Paul's world and words, not as a mere historical doctrine, but as a timeless narrative. An urgent call to cut the strings that tie us to this passing world. And as we reflect on the richness of this message, I want to encourage you to leave this place with hearts unburdened and minds focused in on the internal Because in the complexities of life, we can hear Paul's urgency and make it a part of our own life's mission. Let us pray. Almighty God, in the midst of trying to figure out what are the strings that tie us to the world and not to you, we ask that you come to us and that you give us strength. It's hard to let go of the things of the world. They, they seem to have wrapped themselves around us in such a way that we can't escape from them. Help relieve us of our anxiety and give us a moment to breathe. And as we breathe, Remind us of that breath that you gave to the very beginning of creation. That ruach, that breath that changed the world as we know it in the blink of an eye. Help us, O God, to live in such a way that we are unattached from the things of the world and focused and live our entire existence on the things of you. All of this. We ask for in the Son, uh, in Your Son Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.